welcome to your daily green phase. I'm Dr. Kimberly Lannon, and I'm here with Lou. And our office today is a sauna. Yeah, well, yeah. Last week it was freezing. Today is a sauna. And um, I warn everybody now, I'm coughing. <laughs> I was coughing last week. I'm, I have a cough cold. And no, it is not COVID. I have tested a bajillion times. I was just telling Lou yeah. that, thank God the tests are now $4.99. <laughs> and he's like, but the free ones. I'm like so far past the free ones. Yeah, I've spent really? those. I test all the time because I'm so paranoid. I'm like, I don't want to get anybody sick or be sick because I am have asthma. So um, anyway, so I don't have COVID. Okay. I don't have RSV and I don't have the flu. When did this RSV thing happen? I don't know. A couple weeks ago or a month okay. or two ago. Kids. Right. It's a kids. It's a kids, mostly kids thing. But adults can get, it's just an upper rest. It not, I shouldn't say it's just, I'm not minimizing it. It's an upper respiratory infection. Yeah. Um. It, you know, they're all, they're all viral. Are we headed towards a vaccination? Huh? Are we headed towards a vaccination? I think that there already is one that covers oh, okay. it. So. Yeah. But thank you for your <laughs> inclusivity of your thoughts on vaccines. What? No. I just, we already have that stuff. And you, it's not too late to get a flu shot. Although I did not get mine because every I've, time I get mine, I get sick. Yeah. So you've had flu shots. I've never had I have had them in the past. I've not had one in years. I've never had a flu shot. I, the last time I had a flu shot, I got so sick. The last three times I had a flu shot, I got so sick from it. Even though my doctor and I completely disagree on that, but <laughs> it was bad. So I'm like, I'm out. You've got the asthma. So you have to, right. Have to be she always reminds me, you should really get the flu shot. I'm like, I'm just going to take my inhalers. So I'm sitting here with my tea in front of my face because I'm trying to take a sip of it, but it's really hot <laughs> <clears throat> while I try not to cough. So anyway, so I've been coughing and I was telling Lou the story that everybody around me is sick in some form or fashion, either with COVID, not around me, but you yeah. know, reporting in, thank God they're not coming into my office and saying, they're like, I have COVID. Thank you very much. Stay away or strep throat or, you know, the flu is on the rise. Why? Because, you know, people aren't masking and people are sick of COVID. So they're just out running amok. So I'm trying to stay away from those places. Yeah. But somewhere along the line during my vacation, oh, Bruce is chiming in. I can't see it because when I walked in the office today, I broke my glasses. <laughs> so if you're watching, you can see me with my little half glasses. What are your, what? What are you, What's your opinion of today's selection of kid toys? Were you a Barbie girl? Oh, well, I'll, I'll, well, I'll, <laughs> Well, that's an interesting start of a topic. Well, well, let's get to that. He's in a got second. a couple grandkids bouncing around. So oh, beautiful um, grandkids. I will. I will get Twins. to that. Oh, yes. I will get to that in a second. Let me finish my story first. Okay, yes. Jeez, everyone's jumping ahead. Okay. Um. So anyway, so what I have been telling people because people have been coming in sick with colds and stuff like that. And I have a client out today with lost her voice. Um. You know, obviously hydrate. I've been hydrating. I was down for the count the whole weekend. So. Um just kind of laying low and, yeah. you know, getting rest. Cause I went to work for 11 hours yesterday and you of all people surprisingly were surprised that I went to the gym last night. Yeah. Did you know what I did? You blew it up. <laughs> I got to the gym and there were two so stores flanking the gym. I went and meandered through the stores, Christmas shopped yep. in air quotes. And I ended up buying a thing of coffee and then went home and had dinner that <laughs> right, we was laughing because yeah. John made dinner and he's a great cook. I'm not sure what happened. Okay. So so something happened. I don't know. It just didn't taste right. What was it? It was chicken pot pie. Oh. And okay. The crust wasn't right. Oh well. It tasted funky. So and it's not because my taste is off. So if oh, so it was a taste thing. It wasn't a consistency thing or anything like that. It was just I don't know. He just didn't do it right. <laughs> We have the same thing with pork chops. I always complain about like how he cooks the pork chops. He tries to get it to my specifications. You know how we do things differently, you know? Yeah. So anyway, so it was delicious. I was appreciative of it, but there we go. So I went home last and then I fell asleep and slept for hours and hours and hours and hours and still could have slept this morning. But nonetheless, I got up to be here and cough while I'm here. Cassie's not going to tell John. Of course, John will be listening. Thank you, Cassie. <laughs> be yeah. So speaking of Cassie, so exciting news today as we move along, and I will get to Bruce when we get into the topic of the holidays, yep. but Cassie, 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 I know you're listening. Very exciting news, Lou. The 
Big Cat Act. As you know, I work um, with Big Cat Rescue. Yes. And I work with um, Big Cat Policy and trying to help pass the um, act, which is... You are a couple people, senators away, right? To keep people protected yeah. from, you know... Um, you know, first responders and people from getting involved in people that own them privately, et cetera. Mm -hmm. Yesterday, late afternoon, the Big Cat Act passed the Senate. Nice. It's passed both the House and Senate. Huge win, which now all that has to happen is President Biden has to just sign it off. And we have it enacted and we have now protected Big Cat ownership in the phasing out of ownership in the United States of Big Cat Um and exotics, big exotics nice. being owned by private ownership and also protecting first responders and people who shouldn't have them in their hands and the buying, breeding, trading and selling illegally of them. So huge win, huge win, huge win, nice. huge big deal. Congratulations. It was a long time in the making. Yeah. Many sanctuaries in the country like Wildcat Ridge Sanctuary and Wildcat Sanctuary at Minnesota and BCR down in Tampa and several other in the country that are all... Um, Global Federation of, of Animal Sanctuaries accredited have been working really hard. Carol Baskin, Tammy Thies um, have been working really hard on getting this passed for years and years, and it's passed. Mm. So it's exciting, and and it's really good for the cats, and um, unfortunate for people that have ownership of big cats. But there's a grandfather clause for people that do currently own them. Oh, that's but, what I was um, wondering. Yeah. So, but there's no there. There will be no now new right so people will be getting themselves in trouble and there'll be laws around that so very exciting so yay <laughs> and um i will work very diligently to get somebody on to talk about this all right excellent which will be really cool yeah so i will be letting us know in a few weeks even if it's christmas time to see if i can get a spokesperson or two to come on and talk about it because it's really cool i know it's illegal now but where would one go prior to this to buy a big cat so the trade, the it's an interesting, there's a couple different places. So the states that were still allowing it to happen, so there were some states that still allowed it because of the senators that were allowing it. Um, they would come, they would be breeding between states. So Doc Antle, who lived down in the Carolinas um, for a long time, was um, crossing over state borders and doing it between states that were allowing it and breeding and buying and trading and selling. Um, he's now defunct. Mm -hmm. um, obviously, Joe Exotic was doing the same thing. He's in jail. Um, and Jeff Lowe, who was with Joe Exotic, they were doing it um, down in Oklahoma and Texas and some of those other states. And they were coming across the border from Mexico um, doing illegal trading, um, you know, out of the country into the country and state to state that was allowing it and doing breeding. Um, so oftentimes you'll see, you have to be really careful when you go to zoos. Yeah. And I say that air quoting again, um, zoos are not always what they appear. So conservation, they'll say they're conservationist. Um, there's a, there's a, um, uh, AZA. Um, there's a, a company, you know, it's like the, you know, accreditation for yep. zoological, um, for association um that doesn't always mean that that's upright standing you know good thing um that they were allowing for conservation purposes breeding and trading and selling zoo to zoo but they're roadside zoos and unfortunately um what was happening is the things that were it turned into the things that would happen at like joe exotics which were you know mass amounts of tigers being taken from their moms before they were you know three or four hours old mm. when the gestation period of moms with their babies is two years. Yeah. They would kill the older tigers. They, I mean, it's horrific. The yeah. stories I could tell you about what goes on in this trading. Um, so, but they were, they were getting them from lots of different places. People have lots of money and want them because there's an ego involved in yeah. a, um, a cool factor, um, you know, for the longest time, Big Cat Rescue had a lioness, Nikita. She passed away last year um, in her 20s. We had her a very long time. Um, and she, we had her since she was nine months old. She was taken in Pennsylvania. She was um, uh, taken by DEA, DEA, DEA agents. That was a lot. Um, um, from a drug uh, run, uh, they had her chained to the floor because, of course, they were using her as a kitten as she grew up to become, you know, scary for people in the drug business. And she was kitten chained to the floor. Had she not been chained to the floor, probably she would have been euthanized or, you know, yeah. 
killed at the time, but she was a bit, still a baby, nine months old. So BCR got her at nine months and we had her into her twenties and she passed. So she had, but she had been declawed. And so she had really bad arthritis and the things that happen to these cats, I mean, are terrible. So they're used for protection. They're used for ego for people. Mm -hmm. They're used for statues and, you know, you know, yeah. people just do that. And they're, they're high priced items. Um, and they're used for canned hunts in some places and mm. terrible, awful things overseas. And uh, other countries are also doing similar types of passing laws, like South Africa is trying to do the same kind of thing, not having canned hunts. And because um, people from the United States often go over to South Africa and other nations over in Africa to do those kinds of things and um, poach. They pay $50,000 to go out into a safari range that um, has them marked and uh, the lions have no idea yeah. and they, you know, they're easy targets yep. and they get to bring them home. So that's all being worked on too as well. So there's lots of pieces of this. I'm sort of giving it a really big braze over, but um, it's a very exciting thing for the U S passing because this is U S solely. Um, this is a big, huge day. So hopefully president Biden will sign off on that ASAP and um, it'll be done. And there we go. It's he likes like kitties. huge because it's been many years in the making. Yeah. As you know, I've been pushing for it. I was trying to make a documentary about it at, at one point. Um, so about trying to pass the law. So this is really good. Congratulations. Thank you. Yeah. And thank many, many people that were involved in spreading the word. There were probably hundreds of thousands of people in this country calling their senators and, and state reps every day, which we called the call of the wild to you know, talk to them about passing this law. And we were just waiting on one senator essentially so he finally turned mm -hmm. so this is very good um so um i i don't know if i missed any more comments but oh i did miss comments big day okay cassie, yeah. um okay yeah cassie's educating us on that they would supply cub petting operations and the cats would age out and yeah put up for private ownership um and then Cassie thanked us. And then good morning, Steve in California. I think that's where he is this morning. Um, nice to see you on. So now moving along. So thank you for listening to me about that. And I will try to get some I'm trying really hard not to reference Billy Idol's guitar player at this point. Who is Ooh. Steve Stevens? Yeah. Oh, Steve. <laughs> um, yeah, no. One of my wrong, favorites. Too. Wrong person. <laughs> wrong person. Um so, so Steve is joining us from California. He's a very good friend of mine. And mm -hmm. um, we do THB together. Yeah, The yeah. human baton. Oh, nice. Yes. So he's listening probably from the gym this morning, given that it's... He didn't skip the gym. He didn't. Okay. Thank you. <laughs> I'm sick. I think he, when he was sick, he went to the gym. Yeah. And he's just a better man than I. <laughs> Go, Steve. Yeah. Get on that treadmill and bust your booty yep <laughs> thank you for giving me the out thank you for outing me though you outed yourself you said mm. it already listen i can't breathe i'm just reminding you okay thank you for that yeah. reminder yeah mm -hmm. listen i'm training for the boston marathon it's going a little slow right now <laughs> at cold <laughs> it's, it's on stop <laughs> which is frustrating as yeah. i tick off the days going oh god one more day down when i'm not working out you're this far from doing walks in the mall you know that <laughs> what? Right? you're this far from doing walks in the mall yeah oh geez no no that's a disease breeding facility oh that's true no 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 malls for me another reason not to go okay so now going back to the top of the commentaries now we're so we are in christmas season and um you know people are happy i can see it and not really people are stressed oh god yeah. we've gone back to the stress moments that i wasn't seeing last year and the year before i can feel it can you feel it yes um lots of talk about you know what people want what people need to get how much money to spend we talked about this last week so i'm not going to talk about that but what i want to talk about initially was i will talk about the barbie thing that bruce brought up but in terms of gifts but um there's an insidious overt pressure mm -hmm. of the holiday but then there's this insidious covert underlying sense of depression around the holiday yes and people do what I call high functioning depression during the holidays. Does that make sense? Yes. So 
people I'm a master at it. Okay. So, okay. So yeah. high function depression doesn't mean it's not all doom and gloom, but what happens during the holiday season for many people, whether you celebrate Hanukkah, which is a lot of pressure too, because that's, you know, multiple nights of gifts and food. And like, you, it's not just one big one day or yeah. two days um, or Kwanzaa or whatever you're celebrating um, that the chronic nature and the persistent underlying stress and sadness that comes with the holiday, even though there's happiness, that it's the balancing that people do between that they are happy because they love the giving or they love those things, but the stress and pressure of, of the performance and the, the burden of how much obligation and how much um, intensity goes behind it of who needs to be impressed or who needs to be taken care of mm -hmm. to the detriment of you as a person. And so I've had a lot of conversations this week about taking care of you first. If you don't take care of you first, me being right there, you know, like taking yeah. that time off over the weekend that I had to shut down because I knew I wouldn't be able to be anything this week if I couldn't take that time. And I had to just shut it down. Um, taking care of yourself first, making sure that you, put your own ducks in a row of like, you know, use your wellness wheel. I talked about around Thanksgiving. Do you have your physical health, your mental health, your spiritual health, um, whatever, you know, your social health, your business health, your employment health, whatever it is, it's on your wellness wheel. Do you feel like there's any wobbly spots in there? And if there are, you know, shore them up. And if you can't, then, figure out where you can shore other things up so that you're working on that. So you don't feel so imbalanced. The um, high functioning depression, what it looks like so that people understand is that kind of getting up in the morning, but not wanting to get up out of bed in the morning that typically doesn't happen most of the year. Yep. But during this time of year, it's that draggy feeling. People often will just pass it off on it's cold or the weather's changing or whatever. But oftentimes when I do a systems analysis of a person, when they come in and they're talking about it, it's really like that temporary transitional fu high functioning depression. That's chronic for this temporary situation because there's so much pressure on the person, but we're so used to it that it's like we slide into it socially or socially norm just to slide right on into it and then just keep going right through the new year and then the new year hits and it's almost like everything is like <sighs> and it's over and i think that also leads into yeah but one then of, you survey the damage right yeah. that right yeah. and so that's also one of the reasons i think that when people get gung-ho you know they're trying to do all this then they're revving up for the new year because that's when they you know we always talk about mm -hmm. i'm going to make all these new goals and new resolutions all this stuff which we'll get to you know i always review that but that's why they don't work is because there's so much intensity coming into that first of the year all the plans that on this day this is when it's going to start as opposed to you know my rule is Today is the day to start. Don't wait for it to come sometime in the future because what you're doing is anticipatory anxiety. Right. And what we know in sports psychology is the more you anticipate, the higher the anxiety goes, the poorer the performance, right? Yep. We call it the inverted U theory. So if you have um, higher anxiety that kind of, you know, think of a U upside down, right? And the two points of the U sitting on the baseline, right? For performance and your anxiety is on the, on the up scale. And the more the anxiety comes up, you want to be in the middle of that U. You want to be at the top of the U because on the, on the one side of the U, if you're looking at it and it's the left side and it's like really low anxiety, no anxiety, like no big deal, whatever your performance in general is going to be poor because mm -hmm. it's like, I got this, no big deal. Yep. It's overconfidence or right. just, or, or laissez-faire attitude, right. either one, yep. or you go over to the right side of the U onto the, <coughs> excuse me, onto the other side, you're too confident or too intense, right? So you have both of those sides on that extreme. You're going to lose your ability to actually perform because the anticipation of the outcome goal, which is losing 50 pounds in the month or um, having an, uh, an extra $5,000 to pay off bills, or you're going to get a bonus or whatever the anticipation is going towards, 
you're banking it all in those outcome goals versus the journey, which is keeping you in the middle and the top of that you, which is where you're going to get your best performance. It may not be perfect because there is no perfect, but that's where your best performance is. Now you can do that. You can use this analogy, the inverted U theory for anything in life. Mm -hmm. It's a sports psychology theory. It's inverted U theory. If you want to look it up, you can. It will give you a great explanation online. But this is what I use with my athletes, my day-to-day clients, and and, and their day-to-day things of how do you want to get the best out of yourself on a daily when you're going through something. Now here, when we talk about the holidays, it's day-to-day looking at your inverted U. Take stock in your wellness wheel. See where your imbalances are for that day or maybe the week. But then really look at your inverted you and see how much anticipatory anxiety do you have? Is it current? Is it in the present? Is it something that's out three weeks from now for Christmas Day? If it's out that far in the outcome goal, then you need to spring yourself back because that means you're not in the center of your you. It means that you're either you're either overshooting and you're really upset and stressed and worried or you're way undershooting. Like we ended last week on the gender stuff, men who wait to the last two days (laughs) to buy things. That's, that's an, that's a stressful time. And you'll hear time and again, many men and, and, and sometimes women more often men than not will be in my office being like, I haven't done anything yet. And, you know, I go right up to almost the end of my week before Thanksgiving, before Christmas. And people will be saying, I haven't shopped yet. And I get nervous for them because yeah. I know what it looks like in the stores at this point. And I'm and I'm actually here to tell you that last night when I went through those two stores, I was less than impressed with because if I walked out with coffee and nothing else and spent eight dollars and didn't spend more than a hundred, which is shocking for me, hmm. that means that there's not a lot out there. <laughs> so so I think that um, so are you, are you that, describing rumination? Sounds like you're describing rumination to me. Say a little bit more about how you're thinking of rumination. that's my gauge. And that's the thing I struggle with a lot. I have to control my rumination. And a lot of it is. And very quickly, rumination cuts into your physical health, cuts mm-hmm. into your sleep, which mm-hmm. lowers your immunity, which gets you into situations where you're chewing cough drops. Thank you. Yeah. But uh, listen, you're right, because I had a very stressful situation that led me to this. Yeah, no, I know. But so you just sit there. That rumination is is the enemy for me anyway. Right. And maybe that's because I'm just trying to put a name and a face on what it is I'm dealing with. And I get better or worse at dealing with it. Like right now, I'm struggling with it. It's like I just got to calm everything down. I just got to give me that. Let it go. Nothing I can do about it right now. We'll just do this and go on. So I think I think rumination could be a word used for it, because I think that that's one of the ways to look at it. I would use. Go with me on this for a second. Mm -hmm. I would use hypervigilance. And hyper focus on things that maybe aren't necessarily two things aren't in your control in the moment and are are what ifs so not in control but they're also what ifs or you're trying to control for something that is we don't know and so you're trying to plan for those things and so then you get into ruminating about it because you'll roll it over and over in your head which makes a vicious cycle, which isn't staying in the here and now and present. Right. And then it takes you out of your most high functioning ability, which leads to that functional depression area because it gets you down. Because when you ruminate, I'm going to use your word, when you ruminate about the woe is me's of what isn't happening, what hasn't happened, what might happen, what might not happen, what, you know, I'm just using that as your hypotheticals of what is going on. That leads to that that sadness that you can't quite say is sadness or people often will describe, I'm just agitator, I'm annoyed. Now, when people say I'm agitator, annoyed, that's actually depression. Yeah. And people don't realize that. They use it for different things. You know, some people won't say they're anxious. They'll say they're frustrated or they'll say they're anxious. They won't say they're anxious. They'll say they're um worried. They won't use the the terminology that's clinical, but those worries or those terms mean certain things to us as clinicians. So I'm mindful of that. So when you ruminate, you're ruminating on things that are probably increasing your likelihood of having that underlying covert depression of feeling down because you lack control over this outcome goal that is out there. 
Does that seem right? Yes. Okay. So you, like many people, if you could grab a hold of the awareness of that, that's what's going on during this time of year. Because it's more during this time of year. People do it all the time. Yeah. But particularly this time of year, because the pressures go up for a variety of reasons. Um, and so if you could really be aware that, hey, I don't have control over these things. Note, note first, note what you don't have control over. That's the first start yeah. is people think I have control over. So you're trying to control for things you don't have control over and then go, okay, what do I have control over? You're going to, you're going to realize really quickly, mm, almost nothing, right? <laughs> you have not, you have no control over what's happening on Christmas day. You have no control over what's happening on new year's day. Mm -hmm. You don't have control over what's happening in the next 25 minutes, unless it has to do with you directly. You know, yeah. someone comes to you and says something to you. You have to respond in the moment. You have no idea that they're coming to you. Know, so you have to be but really realistic with yourself about that. So I'm that, reminded. I'm reminded of the old joke. Just because you're paranoid doesn't mean they're not out to get you. Not out to get you. Right. So I, when you started talking about this, and there are a lot of things that are out of your control, but there are a lot of things. I mean, there are a lot of things that are imminent and real that people are dealing with right now. Like I've got to heat. <laughs> I got to heat the house this winter. Right. Yeah. You know, that's a that's a real pressure that's imminent. Right. 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 And Christmas on top of that. And however that relates to your interpersonal relationships, Christmas, some of those are real mm -hmm. and present. Well, and, and that's the thing is that people... and I think what happens is those anxieties get overwhelming to the point where all of your solutions, all the things you quote unquote control, I could do this. That's really not going to help, you know, and you start to get you start to feel a little bit just behind it. Well, people bypass, and, and and you tell me your experience, but my experience with people in my office and, and, and even friends, people bypass this time of year what is priority over what they feel obligated to right. in terms of other people. So rent, mortgage, utilities, yeah. phone bill, like that all gets put aside because the scramble to get gifts, put on dinners, be present for parties um keep up with the joneses um but think about the reality of those needs to somebody who's putting aside their rent or their mortgage i do the, I, I do mean, and that's well and that's what i yeah. this is why I, this is a topic for today because i spend i have i have very high functioning people in my practice so my high functioning people talk about these things realistically about because they get stuck in the trap right of what do i do with this because they are intelligent, they intellectually know I should not bypass paying the gas bill. Right. But the emotional center, which is not connected to the intellectual center so many times, which is the disconnect, goes towards, I'd rather have the pain, even though they wouldn't, but they, they trade off the pain of not paying that bill or not doing that priority because they'd rather have that extra money to make the person happy. Mm -hmm. And I talk about how that's fleeting and how I'm very, and you know this, I'm very big on experiences, providing experiences for family or, or friends for you. Like, yes, gifts are great. And the gift of giving something as an experience, plan something that you can, that's not going to be taxing on you in the moment. Plan something that could be down the line, give a gift certificate that says we're going to do this in february we're going to you know so that yeah. it's something that is planned for so that it's not just another thing that you feel you have to have to fill the space because it's a thing that you know equalizes out there's a lot of that equalizing out you have three kids all kids have to get equal amounts in terms of dollar amount i don't believe in that but many people do yeah i think that as kids get older gifts get more expensive. That means there's less gifts. If you want to get a big gift, I know a lot of people do big gift. I'm, I, I was raised that way, big gift. Mm -hmm. And then lots of like little things, you know, yep. extraneous things. Um, that's fine, but not beyond your means. Cough, hold, <coughs> cough, hold. Yes. Um, so, um, and that's hard for people because you, it, Christmas time, and, and and Hanukkah time, and you know, because it's this, this very similar. It's gifts. It's about you go into stores, and it's set up for you to be sparkly and shiny, and look at this new thing. And all the commercials are pushed towards, you know, social media is bombing you with constant images of this newfangled thing, and you've got to have this. And yep. and you know, the big thing this year is I, I see it. I, I I'm getting 
bombarded with the clutch. Have you seen the clutch? No. It's the clutch charger. I get them. I swear it's on my Facebook page. Every three scrolls. <laughs> the clutch is an external charger that's like the size of a credit card that charges your phone when you go along. And I have been tempted so many times, but I do what I'm telling you. I'm like, don't do it. Yeah. Don't do it because it's like, buy one, get one free. I'm like, stop. And they come in pretty colors, <laughs> but it's because it's, it pulls you into these gimmicky things, but I know what's going to happen. I could get eight of them because I know eight people that would be like, oh, this is really cool. But I would know that I call it yard art. It'd be in their yard, so to speak, or in the garbage within six months. Yeah. You know, so why do that to yourself? So this is where the three R's that I use, you know, Kim's three R's. Is it realistic, reasonable, and rational for me to buy this instead of getting something that's useful and meaningful to the person, you know, buying something that you know the person would like, but buy it as an experience. I mean, I know I have a client yesterday, we brainstormed and she ended up going and getting um, her people, a set of her people, an experience of cooking class. Mm -hmm. Now, yeah. that's something she knows that these people would love. She spent the money on it. She knows it won't go to waste. And it's not something that is now just a thing to put in the shelf. Right. Um, really well thought out. And it was expensive. So she feels like she completed that task and now she might get a couple other little things, but now the pressure's off of her that she has to somehow fill, fill the spaces um, because that equals love. Right. So he, it, it just, so here's like to your rumination point, it stacks this deck of how much is needed um, to be looked at of like really what's your reality of what you can do. I know that like I do a, I do a, I, I help a family. I always help a family every year. Like I do a secret Santa, like I pick a family and then I make sure I buy their things. We, we do it. We do it that my cousin does it. I know a lot of people do that. you pick a family and you do their, their gifts. Mm -hmm. um, do you do that? No. Oh, do you know what I'm talking about? Yes. Okay. So, and my cousin and I were talking about this, about how interesting, like between our families and our, and our personal bubble, how pe we buy or we do things for whatever, but this, these families, the things that they ask for fall into this, this um, healthy, but yet not fun box. Like they ask for, sweatpants and mm. shoes yeah. and underwear and socks and you know and there's little kids in this and i'm like so you know you know me i'm i'll do all those things that are on the list but then i'm getting toys yeah. and i'm yeah. I, you know because the graciousness of that they ask for nothing above and beyond they don't ask for you know playstation right. they're not asking for you know, a virtual reality Nintendo thing. They're not asking for uh, a drone, <clears throat> but I don't do those things, but I certainly am not going to feel good because it's not feeling obligated. It's feeling like Christmas has an excitement to it and there's kids in the family. So the adults, you know, listed out like, here's what adults in the family need. And here's what, you know, for the kids, cause it's kids holiday, I'll go for that to help them mm -hmm. within reason and keep it in a budget it's important for them to have those things. So there's like a spark at Christmas. Yeah. So there's excitement. So their anticipation isn't always going to be, well, I got socks, I got underwear, I got sweatpants, uh, you know, snow pants. I mean, all things that they need. Yeah. Terrific. But, and all things they'll be grateful for, but still, but still yeah. like something fun. So I, I take the thought of when you're looking at your own family and friends and you're in a position that you can do things for others. Be realistic with what you're doing so that you spend your money wisely. And it's not just to fill the spaces. There's so many things like one of the stores I was in last night, I was giggling to myself because I knew I was going to talk about this on the show today. There's so many impulse buy things that are just sitting there sparkly. Sparkles yeah. big. <laughs> sparkly, sparkly, sparkly that are, you know, and they price them right. But what they are is they're space fillers. Yep. And they're just another thing to open up. You know, I, how many times have you heard someone say, I need to have a couple more things to put under the tree because it has to look full. Yeah. You know, and I'm like, uh-huh. You know, and I, I definitely grew up in that. And I'm, 
I'm sorry. I don't know if it's. Well, plus, you have to fill that space of the morning of people opening up. I mean, you can't do, you know, the the card with the experience gift doesn't do it for your family members on Christmas morning because they're opening up four or five packages from other people and, you know, or giving you four or five packages and then, you know, all you give it to give them as a card. Right. Yeah. Even even as valuable as the experience present is, understandably, right. but still. That, well. Or as my, you know, my dad would open up a card, he'd shake it. <laughs> it was, and I'd always roll my eyes being like, no, dad, there's nothing in the card. Yeah. You know, cause he'd always shake it for money. Yeah. Like, like I'm going to give you money, you know? <laughs> um, but yes. So I, th I think that I think one can give more than a card, but do it within your means. Don't yep. go beyond your means. I see so many people struggle and what my conversations are going to be in a month from now are going to be about me talking to people about financial advisors, getting themselves back on track, that they overspend, how they're going to raise more money, how they have to work extra overtime. It's and it's now we go into February, March with this. So you're going into springtime. Now, how does that help mental health? It doesn't. Yeah. Plus, it adds in to the factor of people now will emotionally eat to fill their spaces because they're emotionally strained by these pressures. And they'll emotionally drink. Or they'll emotionally go to drugs or they'll do more shopping because after Christmas, the sales start the sales. Yep. So they'll go and return and then buy more stuff. And your immunity is worn, worn down heading, heading into January and February. Right. It's like, you're just setting yourself up. Right. To get sick on top of everything else. Right. So it's, it's so important to find this balance, which goes back to the top of the hour of like finding your wellness wheel balance and, and really doing that for yourself. I'm an advocate of, if you're listening, Take a wheel, draw a circle, make eight spokes, or if you want more, if you've got more on your wellness wheel, and put the areas of your life where you focus on. And and color it in up to where you think your level is. Or draw a line like, okay, through the whole spoke section. Is it balanced? Or is you know your social high and then your work is lower? Like follow the line. You'll see. And imagine that then on a tire on a bike and how wobbly that would make it. Mm -hmm. That's what you work on on a daily. And through Christmas, I would imagine financial would be on there as a heavy load of what you're doing. You know, maybe even on the wellness wheel for this month, gift giving for the holidays, you know, and card sending. I didn't send out cards last year because I didn't have the bandwidth for it. Yeah. And today's the 7th of, of December. And you know where my cards are? They're in my head. Because <laughs> I don't have the bandwidth, I haven't yeah. had time. Yeah, you know, and um, it's not because I don't love people and whatever, but I know people still pay attention to that card. Yeah, oh yeah, I, I, I and I love getting cards. I get, I get yeah. probably 150 cards, and I love it. Please keep sending them to me. I love my cards, mm -hmm. and I usually send a card, but I usually like to personalize it, and I make a special picture from the year, or whatever. Usually, like a cat, a tiger, <laughs> yeah. or one of my own cats, or something fun. But I just haven't had time. And it's it's about being realistic of where am I going to put my time and effort in, right? Talk about conserving your space and time and energy to what really needs to happen. Being sick doesn't help that either. Yeah. You know, I could have been on the computer all weekend. I was like, I'm not even opening up the computer. I'm like, I can't even see straight. Yeah. So, um, but just, you know, being kind to yourself, being compassionate that you can only do what you can do. I walked out of the house this morning and I said to John, I said, I have lots to talk to you about. And he looked at me like, oh, no. <laughs> yeah. You know, that look. But I didn't leave him with any knowledge. Just <laughs> left him hanging. Like, yeah. But it was more about the thoughts that I have going into this, but I didn't explain. So I'm sure he's home going, oh, my God, she's coming <laughs> home tonight and I'm in for it. Yep. But it's more about like I have a plan in my head about the next few weeks of how this is going to go. And it's going to be different than the years gone by because this has been a long year it's coming out of covid which really isn't coming out of covid and dealing with some of the stuff that i deal with yep as you're aware of i'm and everyone it's been a long it's been a long year for everybody because mm -hmm. this christmas season the pressures which are normally overwhelming anyway are the culmination <laughs> of a full year of these things i mean it's been a tough year Right. Tough year for everybody. Right. Not yes. to minimize what you're going through, but it's been a tough year. People are carrying in 
a pretty heavy wagon at this point into the Christmas season. Well, and I think, and I think that not only the social emotional pull that's going on, that's changed now because we're going back into a new mode of whatever that is, but also the financial yeah. financials have, have changed so much. I have a client that came in, uh, I want to say, I think it was Monday freaking out because her, her portfolio lost $40,000. And, you know, in my, my knowledge of doing financials is, you know, I understand that. So you have a couple choices with your financial advisor, obviously to talk about it with them. But, you know, my experience is that, you know, to stay psychologically sane about that is the market does change. Mm -hmm. It fluctuates. You have high risk things. So you're going to have to sit on that. You're going to, or you have to move it. Now you have to run the gamble. So this is, so those kinds of stresses for people are there if they're in the market. Yep. They're not sitting on them around the holidays because they banked on that to protect them so that they could buy extra knowing they had this bank, but there's no guarantees because you're essentially gambling in the market. Yep. And people use that so heavily as their guarantee. And I often say the market is a gamble. And, you know, Jeff Shank, who does talk money, he and we've talked about behavioral monetary health and mm -hmm. how to keep yourself healthy around these things you know people end up banking on certain things when they're not necessarily there um you know i bank on people to pay me their co-pays or their invoices on their consulting i bank on that but i don't bank on it yeah because i know that people don't follow through you know i'm waiting on a very large one right now i don't know if i'm gonna see it so i put it out of my head and account for that i'm not having it yeah. But a lot of people, bank, it's like the bonus in Chevy Chase and Christmas Vacation. <laughs> he banks on not the Jelly of the Month Club. He banks on the pool stash. You never know yep. if you're going to get it. And then you set yourself up for a high expectation of disappointment. Kind of like people for gifts. You know, you set yourself up for this high expectation of I'm going to get this gift. And then you're disappointed um, instead of it just being, you know, realistic. So I often ask, and this is a good question to ask people. And I don't know if you do this because I know you have older kids, but I ask the people in my life that are younger, what do you want that isn't in your high price range? <laughs> I already know you want the blah, 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 and the blah, 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 and the blah, blah, blah. Because I want to know if they have realistic expectations. And all of them do. They all have these under, I call them underlying wants, not needs. Yep. Nothing's needed, but all these underlying wants. And so... And then I parse through those and, and see where like it would be worthwhile for me to contribute that I also know that won't become yard art. <laughs> yard art. Yeah. So much yard art. Well, you know, my kids are older and we've got a great understanding about it. It's basically cash for them because first of all, my son's, I've asked him his entire life, what do you need? What do you want? Oh, nothing. So give him the money so he can do what he wants and make the choices that he wants when he needs it. My daughter is married. She's older now. She's got a lot of stuff. It's some mad money. Go spend this on you as right. opposed to all the things you have to spend it on. Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. When I, and I have, I mean, I'm always like, don't get me clothes. <laughs> Cause I pick up my own clothes. Yeah. I was like, don't get me clothes. Yeah. Nobody get me clothes, but people always get me clothes. But we touched on this last <laughs> week though. Why am I always so ostracized when I say, I don't want anything or, you know, Let's because have, let's have like dinner after Christmas. Because people like to give. I know. And so that's why I don't ask you. I just give you. <laughs> because I know what you like and I know that you use it. Yeah. But I, it's like. But I, I know I, you don't expect it. I'd rather you take that pressure off yourself. I'd rather you spend it on yourself. I know. I'm not talking to you specifically. but just No pressure. People in my life, gift givers. Right. Yeah. So, and that's the thing. As long as there's no pressure, it doesn't bother me. When it's pressure. Hmm. Yeah. Or that I know that someone has an expectation, then I start getting like, mm. so yeah. I could speak a lot about that because there's a lot of families that do have this high end expectation that, you know, have that Christmas morning disappointment of like, oh, <laughs> yeah, you know, and parents do that to their kids a lot, you know, as the kids get older and they look to their kids to be their, what fill in the blank, whatever it is, their caretaker their yeah, savior yeah. their their appreciator their you know this is how they show appreciation love right yeah um you yeah, know that's... obviously don't expect the little kid to do it but by the time they get into like their teens they have a job i have many parents that expect their kids to step up and 
do these things and it's unrealistic and it's also unfair to ask you know yeah. your 20 year old is in college to pony up do anything right <laughs> well i mean i think it's important to get something but i think that to expect like these lavish gifts or something lavish is quite something and i know a lot of families that are like that yeah it's funny because it, what it translates to me is the greatest gift i can give somebody is take the pressure off them you know right don't worry about that but many people don't feel that way when you say that yeah they feel more pressure because then they feel like they're stuck because then they don't know what to get you because it's that, the old yeah. it's the old adage of well when you say i don't want anything you really mean you do want something because many people do really mean that yeah no. and that's where we end up in the conversation i ended up a couple weeks ago about the couple that was going to get divorced because you have to express what you really want and need. Don't say you don't want something unless if you if you don't want something, just say, I don't really want anything. If you want to get me something, get me something from your heart. But yeah. then don't be disappointed when it comes and it's not something you really want. Yeah. Or if you really want something special, you know, like I always ask for I always ask for specific things. I have three specific things. And outside of that. <laughs> yeah. And I get those and they're, and it's because their tradition for me that has been kept going that has to do with keeping a set of something going that I, that I do. And that's all I care yep. about because it adds to that and it's, they're easy little things and that matters to me and people fulfill that. And, and then anything outside of that is like, okay. So when we slip into this mode of high Except functioning, for actually this year I asked for a very large gun safe. <laughs> <laughs> I know that's random, but I did. I asked for a gun safe. Biometric? Um, yeah. It's beautiful. Oh, nice. My friend Kathy has a beautiful safe, and I want the one she has. She, I don't know if she's listening today, but Kathy, I want your safe. She knows this. She have a she biometric sent lock? The, she sent me all the, I love the biometric lock. She sent me all the specs yeah. on it last week. I'm like, yeah. I want that safe. <laughs> Every time I go to her house, I'm like, I want that safe. <laughs> so... How do we beat this? We get into this situation where we find ourselves being overwhelmed by high functioning depression or that type of anxiety or rumination or however it manifests for people individually. <coughs> Excuse me. Well, okay. So unfortunately it's so simple, but yet so hard. It's, it's being realistic with yourself. It's taking away, stripping away all the anticipatory high expectation values you put on the holiday. Mm -hmm. and getting down to the reality of what is really going on here? What is, what is at the base of what I need, I need to do and what do I want to do? Not what you want me to do and what you need me to do, but what I want to do and being okay with that and not feeling guilty which is by definition, the perception that you think that someone else is going to perceive you as doing something wrong or you perceive yourself as doing something wrong because you didn't get the right gift or enough. Yeah. But here's the thing. In, yes. in most of the year, that's usable strategy. Oh, in Christmas, you're playing in other people's courts. That, that's the problem with Christmas that you're playing in other people's realities, other people's expectations, other people's interpretations of you know, what's going on and what this means and what's required. Mm. So that's, that's the struggle on a day-to-day -day basis. Is great advice works beautifully. And Christmas, you're just, you're, you're walking onto the home court of everybody else's reality. Well, and right. But so yeah. that's why I say, take your inventory of your stuff first of where you are at, what you want and what you need and not what you want and what you need in terms of gifts, what you want and yeah. what you need in terms of giving. Mm-hmm where are you at in this without the foils and fobbles of the other people's courts being in your lane, yep. right? Stay in your lane, watch, you know, keep their lanes over here. You can know all the things that they want and need, but that doesn't mean you have to comply. Right. And know that if you disappoint, if you disappoint, I use that very specifically, you aren't disappointing them. They're disappointing themselves because they're asking for something that may be untangible, intangible, or maybe out of reach, mm -hmm. or maybe just so extravagant, or maybe not able to be done because it's just outside of the family wealth at that time. I mean, there's so many reasons why it can't happen, or it could be just something so frivolous that is just unnecessary, and you know it's going to be yard art. Yeah. 
<laughs> which there's so many things, right? Yeah, you know, kids, sure. kids uh, will go to kids. Kids get stuff and then they play with it for a day or two and then that's it. Yep. You know, I can tell you that I had toys that are still in wrappers in my attic from when I was a child. Yeah. From Christmas. One, because I was an only. Two, because I got lots of things because I was an only. Um, I wasn't spoiled, but I didn't have any other children around me to play right. and my parents were busy. So we would play some, but then it would go away and then we were back to life. Right. So it's it, again, probably too much excess in, in terms of all the things, but it, it just, you didn't get, yeah. it, it, by the way, and now those toys are worth mint. I know. Right. So, <laughs> so I've got a, a treasure trove of stuff that I yeah. can sell because <laughs> I've got mint, like monopoly games, Scrabble games, shoots and ladders, original first, yeah. first pick. I mean, I got, you name it. I got a Mrs. Beasley doll that's worth a mint. Oh my God. Remember Mrs. Beasley? Yeah, I do. From Family Affair? Yep. I love that show. <laughs> What's his name? Brian what? Remember the guy, the father? Uh, yeah. He's a great actor. One of our listeners has to help us out. Huh? One of our listeners has to help us out because I'm blanking on it. Oh, uh, from Family Affair. Well, the only person that I think would be able to remember that would be Steve Stevens or well, Bruce. Bruce could come up with that. Who was the guy that played in Family Affairs, the father? Brian, Brian. Keith. See, Bruce came up with it. Brian Keith. Is it Brian Keith? Was yeah. it Brian Keith? It was Brian Keith. Oh, thank you very much. Yep. Thank you, Bruce. Okay, so let's talk about Bruce's question. Go back up to that question. Let's go back to that question. What's your opinion of today's selections of kids' toys? Were you a Barbie girl? So, so good question. Now, I want to know why Bruce asked that question because I'm speculating, but. Mixed gender twins, young mixed mix, mix gender twins, grandkids. Okay. But may, but I'm just wondering if it's because Barbie has also this thing about Barbie. But oh, yeah. so I was body image and all that. Yeah. Yeah. So so I'm going to answer it purely for the question he asked. Then I'm going to go off on a little tangent about it. Okay? Uh oh, oh, good. <laughs> really? Yeah, I'm looking forward to it. <laughs> OK, so I was a Anna Lee. Those little Anna Lee dolls. Mm -hmm. I was also an F&B doll collector. And a Madame Alexander doll collector. Now, if anybody out there rings that bell, mm -hmm. I also have all those dolls sitting in mint condition. Wow. I wasn't allowed to play with them. Yep. Um, they're also lots, lots of money. <laughs> they're beautiful. Yep. The Scarlet O'Hare, I love that's, you know, from Gone with the Wind. It's a beautiful Madame Alexander doll. Um, I did have a few Barbies. I had gymnast Barbie, no surprise, because oh, yeah. I was a gymnast. Yep. So I did have gymnast Barbie, Barbie and I had skater Barbie, because when Dorothy Hamill was a skater, they had a Dorothy Hamill skater doll. Um, my mom had one of the original Barbie dolls, like the original in wow. the box, like yeah. beautiful. I actually think I might have that. Or she has it, but I think I have it. Um, you know, with the, it was the striped bathing suit one. Yeah. Um, that in, the white, now. in the white clothes yeah. over box that was like really like high end. You could get it at FAO Schwartz. That's dating me, right? Um, now, now that everyone thinks I'm 80. Um, <laughs> FAO Schwartz, for people that don't know, is a really great high end toy store in New York City. Yes. Um, but um, Barbie, in my later years, became a collector item for me. I love the holiday Barbie dolls. The holiday Barbie dolls because I became very invested as you probably know or if you've seen my website which is under construction um i was in the miss miss pageants so i was very invested in all of the barbie dolls that came out at the holidays because they were in that sort of glamour um they had moved away from just being about beauty and glamour they had moved into you could have these things and be an academic woman and like, you know, more merit scholarship -y kind of thing, but, but they were holiday Barbie dolls. So that they looked beautiful yet. They came with the story of, yeah. of intelligence and all these things that kind of went along with that whole pageant. Tried to give Barbie thing. more depth. Right. Yeah. And so that was that era where it started to really change in terms of that. Not a lot, but it was really where the, the gender movement around Barbie was starting to pick up around like, what what body image are we giving? What is what is it we were saying? There weren't uh, there were no of color per se, or any diversity yep. dolls at that time, and it started, and so when that picked up, I picked up that as a more 
likely thing to have. So today I, I do go into the stores and I look at toys and stuff like that because I do have younger people in my life. Um, the Barbie dolls today are much more, both male and female Barbie dolls are much more conducive to today. Um, you know, business related, more marketed towards diversity, which is great, more marketed towards both female and male, both marketed towards um, not just pretty with the shape and the bathing suit and like, you know, Malibu Barbie, which I grew up with, with the pool and the house yeah. and the slide mm -hmm. and the, now it's, you know, Dr. Barbie and Nurse Barbie and Lawyer Barbie and Ken being, you know, in his stay at home clothes, like dad and his dog. Like, so it, I think that they've tried to revamp it. I know that they've tried to revamp it. I followed yeah. that a little bit on the trends of toys. Um, so the Barbie dolls have done that. A lot of like the baby dolls have done that as well to keep up with that. They're, they're kid friendly, not gender friendly. They're, mm -hmm. they're kid in general friendly. Um, so I'm in favor of, of age appropriate Barbie dolls. I would go towards ones that are not like the scantily clad ones. I would go towards the ones that are much more yeah, um, uh, vocationally based um, that you can play dress up or interchangeable dress up with them. Um, but I don't think there's anything wrong with them for both boys and girls. I think boys and girls should be exposed to both. And I'm sure that there'll be a lot of kickback because people have a belief still, unfortunately, that that somehow makes somebody gay. That is not true. Absolutely 100% not true. That has no merit whatsoever behind it. And that's not true. So I don't know if Bruce is asking this, but it became curious and you just kind of touched upon it. You've got they're in their second Christmas and um, that's how they are, too. Yeah. Okay. I don't know if they're quite two yet, but they're in the second Christmas. Mm -hmm. But um, you've got mixed gender kids. Do you start buying the girl a Bobby doll? Do you split gender on the gifts? Do you pay I, attention I to don't. gender? Yeah. I don't. I, I because they don't care at this point, right? They're gonna play with the toy. <clears throat> I don't I don't think it's necessary, and child psych would say it's not necessary to split gender. It actually isn't necessarily you can get a truck for either gender you can get a car for either gender i played with to toy cars i loved the the hot wheels spinny thing i had that growing up <laughs> yeah. didn't make me gay yeah. um you know that's not how that works you know or anything like that i think that toys are toys and all toys what you know can be educational um i think all kids should have access to a variety of things i don't think there's any harm in Having a boy have, you know, playing dress up or a girl playing dress up doesn't matter. That's not going to make them transgender. Um, it, you know, all the things that come with all that stuff. I think that at two years old, um, two years old is still the age where next year is really more the year that they're going to start remembering. This year, they're going to end up with what we call um, uh, baby amnesia. They're going to have, they're going to go, their memories are going to be banked more motorically and they'll have memories like subconsciously and push back unconsciously. Yeah. So they're not going to have the memories that they would next year of like to a toy specifically. Right. Their first memories really don't start to be remembered until they're around three. So they'll remember things, but it won't be quite in the same way as we do now as adults or when you're three, four, five, six, seven, because developmentally you're shifting all the time. So when you're seven and now you're a 10 year old and I ask you, do you remember when you were seven and you got that? The likelihood is most kids are not going to remember the thing. If right. you didn't experience, they'll remember the experience, but they won't remember the thing. They won't remember the, the words or something like that. They'll remember, oh, yeah, I remember when we went there. Yep. Like if you went to Disney World at seven, they'll remember it. They won't remember at three. Yep. They won't remember at 10 that you did this thing in Disney World. They'll just remember they went to Disney World because developmentally the shift is so different. Mm -hmm. So in terms of toys, um, getting toys that are age appropriate for the child, whether they're gender appropriate or not, doesn't really matter because it's not, you know, you don't see on toys for girls age four to seven. It's yeah. not that it's for kids age, you know, for age, say it's four to seven. It's because that's what they're for. Um, you know, if a kid wants the, 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 little thing with the gas station or they want a house with a cooking stove or whatever. It doesn't matter if it's a boy yeah. or a girl. I didn't, I never raised twins, so I'm not really sure, but I'm guessing at this point that they're not even recognizing her toys and his toys. 
Probably right. not. So if you got a if you got gender they're related, shared. it would probably end up being shared anyway. Right. Yeah. They're shared. Absolutely shared. I mean, a Barbie doll doll to the boy is a is a toy. It's just a doll. Yeah. Right. And yeah. there's nothing. Yeah. And I would put I would introduce if you're gonna get Barbie dolls, I would get both boy and so they have little mini Barbie boy and girl, and they have you know, you could get those. Mm -hmm. And they can play with them. He wrote a bucket because uh, he sent me a video a couple days ago of one of the kids wearing a wearing a bucket over their head and just having there a blast. Yeah, like in Parenthood. Yeah, like yeah. the movie Parenthood. Yeah. Steve Martin. I love that movie. And yeah. the kid goes running into the wall, and he's like, "Ah, oh, he's okay." <laughs> I love that. Yeah, but I mean, it was a great video too because the kid's just young and he's happy and he's got a bucket and it's like uh, everything's good. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, bucket over his head or a Barbie doll. Who cares? Yep. Yeah. Right. I think I think when parents or adults put a stigma or social meaning to something that doesn't have to be there, that's when there's a problem. Yeah. So when you start designating it out that that's a girl's toy versus a boy's toy, we start having problems. Stop doing that. Yeah. It's not necessary. Or if a boy likes the purple blanket and the girl likes the red one, who cares? Why can't a boy like the purple one? Well, you let the don't you let them get there organically? In other words, they're going to stop watching tv and they're going to watch movies and they're going right. to start to get gender roles and gender mm -hmm. definitions well they're going to start to finding out who they are by who they are but they're also going to socially compare because twins are super close mm -hmm. and they have that going going back to the paranormal time when we were talking yeah they have an an esp bond between them that we know is in there somewhere yep. that they connect with each other on a very different way but they still have that interfamilial bond that we know that is yeah. existing in families. Yep. But they do it in a different way. So they speak to each other without speaking. So they're going to figure out each other's likes and dislikes, and they're going to like some things the same. They're going to like some things very differently. I have a set of twins that I'm really good friends with that are now 30 um, that I've known since they were 10. Um, and they've turned out very similar, but very, very different. Yeah. And their likes are very different and they're, being together is very similar. So, yeah. you know, so, but they, you know, worked it out, but they'll finish each other's sentences. Like they have that compatibility, but, you know, they dress very differently. They wear the hairstyles very differently, but they're identical. So both women or yeah. Uh, yeah. So <coughs> they, um, but they have a, a bond that's definitely connected in terms of um, they, certainly identified out where their their paths led them in terms of who they are as individuals um socially emotionally sexually spiritually mm -hmm. they definitely picked their own roots yep based on how they felt and they were both raised the same way ideally that's what every kid does right mm -hmm. yeah but the difference is, is they're very connected in a very different way than other siblings that I know but i think you have to avoid i think you touched upon this you have to avoid sending them there because the parental influence is really strong. Right. In other words, they'll get up, they'll watch Disney, or they'll watch Nickelodeon, and they'll find out girls wear dresses and boys wear pants and right. that type of thing. Right. That's kind of organic. But um, when a boy wants to put a dress on and oh, you start right. telling them, no, boys don't do that, that's a little bit, then then it gives it a different connotation. Well, when you start telling a boy in, when he's young, like three and four, that he can't put on a skirt or a dress, I don't think that that's necessary. I don't, I, it's kids in three, four, five, six range are in, in their um, play, they're in their pretend play mode and they're figuring things out. And that's the, the developmental stages in between two stages right there where they're trying to do um, autonomy versus shame and doubt of themselves. And mm -hmm. they're trying to also figure out how to initiate um, versus being feeling inferior. Those are the stages mm -hmm. um, d due to one theory. And so when you're telling someone, no, they can't do that because it's not the right thing to do because it will make them look a certain way, you're starting to create a sense of I'm bad if I do that. Yep. Um, instead of like, I mean, at the end of the day, if your kid wants to, you know, wear a skirt and he's four, okay, that's fine. And, and if he goes into school and then the school says no, Right. Yeah. Then that's you socially. You have to socially norm into the school because they say no. Um, and then you explain it. Well, the school doesn't want you to do that because typically you don't say boys don't wear. You say typically boys don't wear them. Yeah. Um, but they do in Scotland. So you try to normalize it so that it's not because there are plenty of cultures that wear skirts as men. So, you know, so that you're not 
detrimenting the child to like this very regimented space. It doesn't mean that it's willy nilly in this often criticized liberal like side that, oh my God, it's actually just about letting the kid be able to express themselves and figure out through social norming in a healthy way, like, where am I at here? You yep. know, or we're going to wear, you can play dress up at home, but we're not going to do that out in school. Yeah. Right. Well, social norming. Yeah. You know, like kids, like I'm a big fan of like, I love it when kids come out and I say, let them dress themselves. You know, you get a polka dot sock, you got a striped sock, you got a shirt on backwards. Yep. You got pants, you got short, you got boots and it's 90 degrees out and a, and a hat with ears. I yep. mean, I have a kid like that that comes to see me. <laughs> and she's seven or eight now and she comes in with the funkiest outfits, but that's who she is. Yeah. And, and I always comment like, I love your shirt. I love you. You know, because she feels good in it. Great. And she's not having any issues with identifying as non-binary or anything. Right. This is just who she is. It doesn't have to become a thing. And I think that there's so much pressure and so many people right now to talk about it being a thing, whether it's, you know, LBGTQ plus this, that, and the other thing, let it be what it is as it comes out without putting the pressure on that it, oh, we have to designate it right now because it's that, right? I mean, they're four, <laughs> yeah. they're five. So anyway, so on that note, hopefully I answered Bruce's question. Bruce, I hope that was helpful. I'll find out about it. I'm sure you will. You can tell me. <laughs> and everybody that joined today, thank you so much for joining. And um, and my takeaway from today, obviously, is you know, have reality check with yourself of where you're at going into the holidays, so that you don't feel like you're being pressured into putting yourself into a position that you can't get out of. All right. And hopefully, in the next two weeks, I'm going to work on getting some people in here to talk about something. Oh, cool. So we'll see. Nice. All right, you guys have a really great week and I will see you next week. Bye.